Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Well, this week just flew by and I've been noticing over the last couple of weeks some interesting patterns within myself when it comes to stress responses and nervous system responses in relation to stress. And so I wanted to share those really quickly because it's been really impactful for me to start to notice these patterns. I'm taking a few different courses on somatic experiencing as well as on neuroscience and the nervous system. And like with anything I learn, I'm instantly applying it to myself and analyzing myself through those lenses. That helps me understand it more so that I can then take that to the client and not just share with them this knowledge I've picked up, but also knowledge that I myself have experienced and integrated. And so one of the really interesting things I've been noticing with me is, first, when we're talking about the stress response, our body's response to a perceived threat, there's, I think we commonly say fight or flight, right? But there's actually four different types of a stress response, fight, flight, freeze or fawn and these four are separated into two different categories basically hyper arousal or hypo arousal and hyper arousal tends to be those fight or flight responses where the heart is racing we get really anxious maybe we get really hyperactive a little aggressive Whereas hypo arousal tends to be the freeze and fawn stress responses, and that tends to be low blood pressure, dissociation, maybe lightheadedness, and a whole host of other potential symptoms. So what I've noticed, and I've actually known this for a while, is that kind of my default stress response state is a freeze or fawn state or hypo arousal. That I think was one of my earliest coping mechanisms was to just freeze and dissociate from the situation. And and I've been aware of that pattern for a little while now, but something really interesting I noticed over these last few weeks is that specifically when something exciting is going on in my life, something I'm excited about, but also a little bit nervous about because it's new, it's a new challenge, that excitement is almost too stimulating for me and can easily throw me out of my window of tolerance. And what I've noticed is my stress response to excitement tends to be hyper arousal. I'm really excited and I get kind of into this like hyperactive, flustery sort of state of being. And then I shift really quickly, like that hyper arousal is so destabilizing for me that I then shift into the hypo arousal. (laughs) If you guys are listening and you're just like, what the hell are you talking about? I apologize. This is something I want to start talking about more and more with clients, but also through the podcast, I'd love to have some more experts on 
to talk about the nervous system and the stress responses. To give a, even a little bit more context to this, something I've learned through my somatic training is we know about this window of tolerance, right? It's basically our body's ability to handle perceived stressors. And how big is our window of tolerance in order to manage those without getting thrown into a state of dysregulation? And so for individuals who maybe have unresolved trauma or are living with a lot of daily stress, their window of tolerance might be very, very narrow, meaning it doesn't take many stressors or you know, even just some little stressors can really easily throw them out of their window of tolerance into a stress response, whether it's hypoarousal or hyperarousal. A really interesting thing though I learned again through the somatic training is that anything can be a stimuli to our body system. And so we typically think like, oh, a stressor is only bad things like traffic, Um, a deadline at work, my boss yelling at me, an argument with my partner, but anything is a stimuli. And so again, for people who have really narrow windows of tolerance, even positive stimuli can just be way over activating for their system. Something really, really good or exciting is happening and they still find themselves either getting super, super anxious about it or just kind of emotionally numbing, like they can't fully experience the intensity of the joy around this. And I have certainly noticed that with myself that really exciting, happy things, I've had a hard time fully sinking into the intensity of that joy and excitement. It's very overwhelming for my system right now. And so I tend to experience that excitement, that hyper arousal, and it's super dysregulating for me. And then to protect myself, I sort of go into my default coping mechanism, which is the hypo arousal or the shutdown, the dissociation, the numbing out. So that has just been helpful for me because I've noticed it happening a lot more over this last month or so with so many exciting things going on in my life, new projects I'm bringing forward. I've mentioned it a few times, but on Sunday I have my first in-person event. So lots of actually really good, exciting things happening, but I've just noticed myself getting into that state of hyper arousal a lot and then shifting into a numbing state. And so being able to be really aware of those different states as I'm in them has helped me be able to just, first of all, have a better understanding, but also then take so much more attuned, informed action to help support myself in those moments. Whereas if I just wasn't aware and I was just kind of feeling off, I might I might try and do something to shake myself out of it that's not really supporting me because I'm not really in tune with what state I'm in and what I actually need to get out of that place. And then the second thing I noticed very much related to this is that on days when I'm experiencing a particularly high amount of stress, I notice that the next day I'm completely exhausted and depleted emotionally for sure, mentally for sure, and physically a little bit as well. It happened twice this week specifically where, you know, for example, I think it was um, Monday I had 
a really stressful day of challenging myself and pushing myself and overcoming some things. And I was okay through that. But then Tuesday, I was just completely depleted and struggling to get myself to get through the day and get the things done that I really wanted and needed to. And then likewise, same thing. Wednesday, I had a really stressful day. And then I noticed Thursday, I was completely drained and depleted. And this is something I really want to understand better, but I do know at least in part, it has to do with the nervous system and the nervous system being dysregulated and then it taking some time for my nervous system to recalibrate and reach that equilibrium again. And so that's something I want to look into is how can we reset our nervous system quicker? I know part of that is just those daily nervous system exercises, but I'd love to, that's something I'm really interested in looking into is how can we really get that reset a lot quicker? Of course, the other side of it is building the resiliency so that fewer and fewer things throw our nervous system into a state of dysregulation. And I've noticed immense growth for myself with that over the last few months. I think another aspect to this sort of next day energetic fallout is probably related to hormone production as well. I know when we're in an intense, acute state of stress, there's a lot of hormones that are getting produced in excess to get us through that state of stress. And that can then leave us depleted. So again, something I want to explore a bit more, but I thought it was really interesting to observe that. And it was kind of freeing in a way because I really made that click in my head of, whoa, I had a stressful day, the next day depleted. Stressful day, next day depleted. And I saw that pattern for the first time. Whereas in the past, on those days where I just felt completely exhausted and depleted, I might have been like, oh, why is my body doing this to me? This is so random. This is out of the blue. And and really kind of beat myself up about it a bit versus seeing that connection of, oh, this might just be the physical and emotional fallout of the intense, stressful day I had yesterday. And again, with that information, I can now take much more informed action to help pull myself out of it. So those are my little updates leading into today's Evox episode. With all of that said, I'm still doing, I did another Evox session on my back injury as you guys know, if you're following along, if not, definitely listen to the previous Evox episode on the back injury so you can get the whole backstory to that. But going into the session, I had been observing a bit of an emotional pattern that I was experiencing over the last three weeks or so, ever since my back injury. And the way that I was feeling those three weeks is, of course, initially I was feeling disheartened and upset at the injury, but there was also this sort of undercurrent of dis-ease and kind of this subtle feeling of feeling trapped and kind of a grief and some fear that I didn't feel like were, were, were particularly related to my current present life. And something really interesting struck me that I wonder if these emotions I'm feeling are related to this back injury and how I might have been feeling at the time of the original injury five years ago. And to give a little context to why I even think this is 
traditional Chinese medicine talks about how organs and and our body store emotions. And especially with injuries, when we have a certain injury, emotions can get trapped in that injury related to what was going on at that time. And when we start to address the injury or address the organ or the tissue, whatever it is, it can actually start to release some of those trapped emotions. And I really feel like that is a lot of what is going on for me, especially because I had the injury and I didn't just sort of like let it go and then move on and keep everything trapped, which is kind of what I've done over the last four or five years. Because as I mentioned in last week's episode, this is a recurring back injury that has happened at least once or twice a year for the last four years, four or five years. But so the first time the injury happened, I did some physical therapy for a couple weeks, but it wasn't anything super in-depth, you know, just basically stretches and stuff. But then after that, every time the injury has happened since, it's kind of just been like, you know, I've laid on the ground for a couple days, not moving, and then I just go back to my life. I didn't really do any other treatments or therapies. And this time it happened, I just was like, this is it. I want to get to the root cause of this because I do not want to experience this injury anymore. I'm over it. And so I've been doing, again, as I mentioned in last week's episode, I've been doing Skenar treatments, which is a type of energy medicine, energy treatment that helps release whatever has been trapped there. It also helps bring the brain's attention to that injury. There's so much I could say about it, and I'm going to have Danielle, the Skenar therapist, on the podcast to talk about it in depth. But I've been doing those treatments for the last three or four weeks. And I think it's actually because I'm actually paying attention to this and really trying to dig into the physiological and emotional root causes to this injury. I think some of those deeper things are now starting to surface. And so going into the EVOC session, what I started with is just tuning in with the emotions that I felt were coming up. It's that same sort of emotional acknowledgement practice where we have to start with what is before we try to go dig into it and understand it. We need to know what currently is. And so I was just realizing there were deeper feelings in my body of feeling trapped and feeling unsupported, feeling afraid, feeling isolated and alone, feeling like I had no one to talk to. And so what, again, what really struck me is that these were all the feelings I was experiencing at the time of the first initial back injury. And what I mean by that isn't I had the back injury and then all of these feelings came up. That's what I was experiencing in my life. And then sort of randomly out of nowhere, I had this really intense back injury. And what I realized from that is that basically every other time I've had this back injury reoccur, I was experiencing one or a collection of those exact same emotions, feeling trapped, feeling lost, feeling unsupported, feeling isolated and alone. And that was really profound for me to 
realize because I do think that these are some of the emotional roots to this injury. It's not a coincidence that every time I start to feel these emotions, my back goes out. And so the way that I look at it, if I was, you know, if I was the client and also the practitioner, the way I'd be looking at it is, okay, there's two things we need to address here. One, we need to help support your ability to release stress going forward in the future, your ability to trust the support of others, your ability to request additional support when you're needing it so that your sort of your tank doesn't get too full and you don't just collapse. But also we need to go back and release some of those initial emotions, some of those original wounding so that the body feels like, okay, I've been heard, I've been seen, and this wound has been addressed and healed. And so I want to talk a little bit about this time in my life because it's not something I don't think I've really shared about before, but I'll give you sort of the the highlights of it. It was in 2017 and this was right, it was a few months after I had come back from living abroad in Spain for almost a year. I had, I was, you know, with my parents for about two weeks. And then after two weeks of coming back from Spain, I moved in with Omid my now husband. (laughs) And when the back injury happened, we had been living together for several months, I believe. And I actually was working for him in his company. And despite it being one of the most joyful, expansive times of my life, it also was one of the most difficult, turbulent times of my life as well for a variety of reasons. First is the physical. When I came back from Spain, I was concussed, my fifth concussion, so I really was not feeling well. I couldn't do a lot of physical activity. I couldn't be out in the sun long. I would get horrible migraines if I was. And then I was having some bouts of depression on and off and found out that I had pretty bad hypothyroidism. I also was basically working a desk job for the first time in my life. So I was, outside of not being able to exercise, I was just really stagnant and sitting all day long. So there's all of that physical stuff going on, which certainly could contribute to a back injury, but it was also a very emotionally turbulent time for multiple reasons. The first being I had moved in with Omid, which was very, I think, shocking and also potentially alarming to my family who were Christian family, didn't believe in living with a partner before marriage. Although they never, they're not the type to be like, you're excommunicated, we're not talking to you anymore. I could feel the disapproval, the fear, and maybe even a little bit of shame from them. Like, you really shouldn't be doing this. She's going off the deep end. Um, and there's a lot more I could say about that, but that's all I'll share in that terms. And so I, there was a part of me that was feeling not rejected by my family, but just like, okay, they obviously don't agree with what I'm doing. So anything that I'm facing in this new change in my life, I obviously can't go to them to talk about and to get comfort and guidance in. I'm kind of at this on my own. 
And then I think the other part of it for me was I had moved in with Omid. It was his home. I was working for him with very minimal income. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing anything crazy. He was certainly paying me <laughs> my worth and for the time I was putting in. But I realize now, and I don't think that I was consciously processing this at the time, but I realized looking back on it that I did to some extent feel trapped, that I didn't have a lot of autonomy. I didn't have a lot of an ability financially to to do the things I wanted to do. I think I really felt so dependent on him. And I didn't have the voice to communicate that. Omid and I were talking about this just last week because I was telling him all of these things and he was saying, you know, certainly if you had communicated those things to me, we could have sat down and talked about, okay, what is going to be a good fit for you? What do you need to feel more supported and um, more autonomous here? And But I did not have the voice at that time. And I think that comes from other past trauma that made me really feel very voiceless and like I couldn't speak up. It wasn't safe to speak up. And so all that said, it was a very, very intense time of feeling so alone and isolated and trapped and just like I don't have any autonomy over my life. And I again, I mentioned this in last week's episode, but emotional correlations to back injuries are connected with feeling unsupported also fear of finances. And those were certainly two big, big things I was experiencing at that time. So going through the EVOC session, I focused on really acknowledging and validating all of those feelings and just letting some of them surface. Because as I mentioned before, I don't think I've ever really taken the time to express them and especially not during that time when I don't think I was aware of them on any conscious level. I just knew I was feeling really, really horrible, but I don't think I could have verb quite verbalized that I feel trapped, I feel alone to that extent. And a really specific subconscious belief came up in my mind as I was going through the session, which was, when things are good, they're great. But when things get bad, I'll need to suffer silently. And I really did suffer silently for most of my life. I held everything in. I didn't look for emotional support. I, I, again, I think related to some early childhood trauma, it didn't feel safe. I didn't feel emotionally safe to share the things that I was struggling with. And so I really did suffer silently for most of my life. I'd say honestly, probably up until the last two years. And this is still something I have a lot of work to do on because obviously this back injury is continuing to to recur. And as I was thinking about it, you know, really tuning into, okay, yeah, do I feel supported? And if I do, do I accept that support? Do I reach out for that support? And I think consciously, I certainly do feel supported. I think there was a little subconscious piece that still felt unsupported. But even on a conscious level, when I'm feeling nervous or scared or overwhelmed, 
I know that if I communicate that, I will receive support, but I still often don't communicate that. And so that is certainly a big, big thing that I can start to work on is even when I'm able to identify what I'm needing, the next step is to actually communicate that and then receive the support that my loved ones really do want to give me. And then I had a huge epiphany because... As I was trying to track this back injury, I've pretty much only been thinking about that initial really, really intense injury back in 2017 where I'm pretty sure it was a herniated disc. That's what all the doctors were saying, even though I didn't have any imaging to actually prove it. But as I was going through the session, what struck out to me all of a sudden was I had had lower back pain my entire life. I mean, as young as I can remember, I had lower back pain. And it was, I don't think it was ever something we really looked into that deeply because I had never had a back injury. It was just, you know, always like this sort of mild pain and aching that's going on in the background. And of course, you know, just never thought too much of it. And I feel like the epiphany for me was in always in my whole life feeling emotionally unsupported, feeling unsafe, that definitely may have led to that consistent chronic lower back pain. Now, this is all conjecture. Obviously, I can't prove this with a scientific study beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it feels like it resonates so, so deeply with me. Again, not having ever had any kind of back injury that would really cause chronic lower back pain like that. Now, I do want to have some imaging. A couple people have mentioned, you might want to look into if you've got some mild scoliosis or something. So I'm going to do my due diligence into any potential physiological, anatomical root causes to this. But certainly... There has been plenty of emotional emotional undercurrents that I think could have been also contributing to this lower back pain for my entire life. And then one final subconscious belief that came up for me in this Evox session was that when hard times or painful times or turbulent times do show up in my life, I had this subconscious belief that like, oh, this is it. I'm going to be stuck in this place forever. This is permanent. And so the only way to get through this is to just collapse and shut down and dissociate. And so I had some internal dialogue with myself while in the Evox of just talking to myself and going, you definitely had turbulent times in your life that were very prolonged. And it did feel like they were never going to end. So these fears aren't ridiculous or crazy. They're really based on true experiences. But can I start to believe and see that that is not the case anymore? I am not in those environments from early childhood or or other certain environments anymore. And I do have autonomy and I'm never trapped and I do have so many people who want to know me well and support me well, but I'm not even leaning into them for that. 
And after going through that inner dialogue, that inner thought process is when I had a releasing pattern and closed out the session. So it's been a wild ride these last couple weeks, diving into this back injury more and more. I always am so surprised, even though I do this every day with clients and I do this weekly with myself, I am always so utterly shocked and excited with what the subconscious will reveal to us with just some simple questions and coaxing. Especially when we're in the Evox, I really do believe it's that biofeedback that is helping quiet the conscious brain, quiet that stressful nervous system response or that nervous system dysregulation in relation to these thoughts and memories. And that is what allows the subconscious to surface because we're in a very calm state. All I do as the practitioner is then ask a question and the subconscious will just throw the answer right out at us. And it's so, so profound because, you know, even clients will go, I had no idea that was what was going on. Or I haven't thought about that memory for 40 years. I'd actually forgotten about that memory. But when we ask a question, the subconscious throws up this memory that they just hadn't even thought of for so, so long. So it's just so profound. And I love that we can use this to have that kind of direct access to the subconscious. But even for me, just over these last few weeks going through this back injury, I kind of wanted to do it as an experiment of like, okay, I I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I haven't done any evox around a physical ailment. Specifically, it's always sort of behavioral or emotional patterns. And so I wanted to use myself as a tester. Like if we come at this specifically from a physical issue, will anything come up? And my God, the answer is yes. (laughs) So I'm excited to see if that's something that I can start to work with clients more is if they're coming in and going, look, I have this chronic issue or this recurring issue, can we look at the emotional side of it? I mean, the answer is absolutely yes, but now I have my own experience of doing it so that I can come to them and say, yes, I've done this before. And I know that certainly if there are emotional root causes to this physical issue, they will surface. Like I said, it's really hard for me to offer something to clients that I haven't experienced myself and know that it's going to be valid and impactful for them. So there we are, another Evox episode, another Evox session, more healing for myself, and hopefully some great takeaways for you as a listener as well. I just wanted to give a final reminder of the guided meditation and sound bath. That is this Sunday. There are still just a few spots left. So if you're local to Southern California, me and Lindsay would love to have you and to meet you if we haven't already. It's going to be such a magical experience. I'll put a link in the show notes to purchase your ticket, reserve your spot. Just as a reminder, it's Sunday, August 14th from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m in Dana Point, California, just like a street away from my own office. And with that, everyone, happy Friday. Have an amazing weekend.